Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Namita Mondar, an education coordinator with Northwest Selpa, who graduated with Masters in Communication Disorders from St. Louis University. She has more than 28 years of experience in the field of special education, passionate about creating inclusive and equitable learning environments in the public education system for all children. Namita is a great supporter of community and works tirelessly for people around her. Hi, Namita. Welcome. Welcome to Women to Women podcast. We are extremely excited to have you with us here today. Thank you, Divya. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So for our listeners, let's start with what you do today. Thank you, because this is an opportunity I want to take to really talk about my new role, which is that of an education coordinator with the Northwest SELPA. And SELPA stands for Special Education Local Plan Area. This is an organization where we coordinate services with school districts, and County Office of Education. And we are the liaison to make sure that the school districts and the county is providing a range or a continuum of programs and services for individuals with disabilities from birth to 22 years of age. And we're also the go-to resource for the community on any issues related to special education. So if you're new in the area, really trying to understand where do I begin? You know, I took my child for, uh, I'm concerned. I think my child is not doing well at school or I'm seeing this and I'm not sure where to begin. A SELPA for a family is your first stop and can really help you support in moving forward. Difficult navigation of special education. In my current role, there are in this the Northwest Selpa region, we have 20 school districts along with the Santa Clara County of Education. And uh, we're serving approximately 15,680 uh, was account for last year, students and families with the needs of special education. And uh, there is a small team of six members, but I'm super excited for this new position that they have created and uh, honored to work along Dr. Devon and uh, Leo in creating an inclusive environment for uh, children with special needs. Dr. Devon was uh, nominated by AXA as the superintendent of the year in 2021. So you have a background as a speech language pathologist, which is very unique in itself. So you have spent a lot of time doing that. So how did this transition happen? Thank you for bringing that one up because that's so close to my heart. I am a speech language pathologist every single day I wake up because I think communication is the essence of life. You know, it is the belongingness to a community is something that we all crave for. A speech language pathologist is so unique in a position to be able to help individuals who are struggling to find their voice. And I think that has been my journey. And I'm fortunate to be an early interventionist. I call myself. So I worked very closely. A lot of my career has been dedicated to working with families directly in their settings, in their homes. And and then, of course, I moved on to working in the public education system and really uh, 
saw how critical, again, the role of family is in providing the services and helping their child reach that potential, along with a therapist. In the last six years, I've been a program specialist, and that was my switch from being a speech-language pathologist to a more administrative role, which again has been a lot of learning and opportunity to work alongside some great leaders and mentors like Andrea, Rose, Kathy at Santa Clara Unified School District and really create a system change to help students, again, gain access and not be stuck in that one size fits all mode, right? Like really look at an individual trial and create programs that matches with their needs. So that's been a real exciting journey for me in the last six years. So somebody who's just trying to get into this field, I'm sure you have a lot of lessons learned from your experiences. If somebody's like straight out of college at this point and looking to do something in this field, what would you advise them? Where should they start and what should that journey look like? Yeah, I think, you know, pandemic really gave a pause to a lot of us. I have friends and I have friends, daughters who have reached out to me and we've talked about what does it look like to be a speech language pathologist and what do they really do? So I have a TalkSped is my video channel where I do a lot of sharing about the profession as such and what does it mean? So make sure you take a look at that. It's on a Facebook page called TalkSped and also a YouTube channel and get a lot more information in depth. But just to briefly suggest, it's a unique profession because it's blends in the science as well as the art. And being somebody who is so passionate about performing arts, I felt speech language pathology, this career gave me a really nice fusion of the art and science. And, and I feel like connecting with family, connecting with others, uh, with the people that we serve, it is so critical to have a very balanced and open-mindedness. We, especially in Bay Area, where we meet, you know, we have such a diverse community. So being, I think those of us who have an opportunity of knowing more than one language, interacting with multiple cultures, which is a lot of us. This is a very unique and nice field where you will find that fusion of art and science. That's amazing. That's a great way of looking at it. You know, the best of both worlds. Yes. So what was your plan going into high school? What did you want to be and how did that plan really play out? You know, I, they were like not much of a planner at all. <laughs> so for me, I was the first born for my parents who also are kind of, you know, going back. If you look at the years that we were going to school, it was you finish your high school and you, it's either become an engineer or a doctor. And, you know, more than that, okay, accountant, if you didn't kind of fit those roles. But really not a lot of people knew about these different fields. And it was just kind of a hit or a miss. And, and that's where I ended up with learning more about it. But I do want to bring out that somewhere along my journey of uh, growth and education and professionalism, language has been a very critical part of it. I was in Kuwait, I did all my schooling, and I cannot forget the very first day of my Arabic class, where I was asked to just read out something loud in front of the whole class. And I was in tears, I was looking at these words, I had no idea. So to me, language has been something I was fascinated with right from the get-go. And then when I...
completed my schooling, I was doing my undergraduate at All India Institute of Speech and Hearing in Mysore, where I had to learn Kannada. Now, that's not easy either for a Hindi speaking and, you know, a, a person. So very quickly at 19, I adapted to another language and a food habits and culture in some ways, you can say. And this has been part of my life. And then when I come to US for my master's, it continues the language and the dialect and the vocabulary you know, the growth. So I've been fascinated. Some has, somehow it has been part of my life and growth. And I, I think it's a blessing to be able to, and that's how I feel like that's my strength when I interact with families, when I work with. And I do want to point out to some great mentors at Mysore, Dr. Nikam, Dr. Karanth, Mr. Thomas. These were all such dedicated people in their field. And till date, they're growing and contributing to the community which has been something that was ingrained when I was doing my undergraduate and I came along over here. And uh, I, I knew this service to the community uh, was something that I learned from my family, my grandparents and my parents, and then also from my mentors and teachers. Now you are very involved with the community. I've seen it firsthand. So thank you for everything that you do. Uh, what really motivates you to really go out there and contribute? As you said, you know, a lot of people have great excuses to say I'm busy, I have family, I have work. Despite all of that, you find time. So what really motivates you to do that? So I think one has to have a fire or a passion in life, whatever it may be, you know, if it is service to community, whether you are an artist and you you like to draw or you like to write, like have a passion. And I feel for me, my passion drives my work as well as my volunteer work. So I think I'm always somebody who sees a service to the community as a goal for me. You know, that has been something, um, like I said, my grandparents, I've seen my parents, you know, they do that. And through their own religious um, work, the, the seva is so important for them. And that that is something that I have seen them. It was not something talked about, but they were role models. They were doing it every day for me. So I think for me, that has been a very important factor in my life. And I hope somewhere along that line, my children are looking at me and will follow the, the path too. But yes, everybody has their own uh, timing to do things when they want. But I feel like as long as you have a passion and you wake up every day, you do your work with a passion. Otherwise, pause think and really reevaluate whether what you're doing is what where your heart is. And I think um, if most of the people did that, you know, we'll be in a much happier place. You mentioned kids. So let's talk a little bit about that. In most of our focus groups, the one thing that kept coming up was right when you have the family, you have responsibilities and kids, your career also is at that critical juncture where you really need to put more effort, put more time in. How did you balance all of that? What worked for you? So again, the beauty of the profession of speech language pathology, and I this is my plug to, to all those who would like to consider or even explore, it gives a lot of flexibility. When my children were younger and I did early intervention, I worked part-time. My husband had a startup, so he was married to his startup. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then somebody had to be there for the family, for the children. And I think this profession is so unique that it gives us the flexibility to work part-time, full-time. And I was able to do that. The other thing I would say is just being able to even serve students. My children have been part of some of the camps that I've held when I've collaborated with uh, other therapists. They've been part of those summer programs. And, and so kind of somewhere along the line for me, my profession, my passion, and my volunteerism all sort of have blended together. And I feel like I've been fortunate enough to have support from family, from my friends, from my mentors, and just keeping that up. You know, today also, whenever I make a change, I, I do call my professors from India. I'm still connected with them. So I feel like we need to share more. We need to share about our passion to uh, doing an opportunity, you know, having this conversation with you, I think it will, I'm hoping that somebody will hear it and would like to explore more. So it's time, time is very different now. The pandemic really gave a pause and think and reevaluate whether you are an educator or an administrator or a teacher or anybody or any tech person. I have my friends who are in been in tech for a very long time considering teaching and have had long conversations with me. So I'm hoping that some of this is what we're talking about when, when we're talking to our children, what I hope that uh, will help us. So it's on. great that you still keep in touch with your professors from undergrad. That was a while back. So that's, that's amazing. But that's how you expand your networks, right? You not only keep expanding, but you also get back to your networks you give back to the network and it works both ways networking again is a, a topic that women seem to think they're not very good at so how have you navigated this whole networking maze yes i i think i've been very active with my networking i would say i think like i shared i'm not hesitant to keep in touch with some of my professors whether and social media is helps with that you know you may not be very active but you can send a message, you can send a text, you know, and keep that connection. Facebook has given options to their Facebook pages of institutes and universities to connect with. So I personally make it a point to connect with like-minded people and that they can be in any field, you know, they, they need not be just your own. You know, when I think, when I hear about networking, sometimes I feel like younger students or, you know, people who are graduating, they're, they're just newer people. They're just very focused. It has to be just in their field or their area of uh, work that they're doing. And I would say expand it, you know, like I said, it's that connection when you make with other people is when you as grow as an individual, as well as you grow your uh, network or uh, expand your circle. And for me, you know, personally, I was involved with IIT Kanpur with my husband's alumni group. And it was wonderful to learn from these engineers about what they do, how they do things, and then support them and have them in different activities. So I think you gain friendship, you gain exposure, you gain knowledge. It's a win-win that helps you grow professionally as well as personally. So along the way, did you ever have naysayers? 
saying that you can't do this, you won't succeed. Why are you choosing this field? Of course, you know, I think life is full of, uh, it's never very easy in terms of like how I was sharing about my particular journey about around different cultures and languages. And then once I started working, you know, I was a student. So I was on a student visa. That was a challenge to find a job in 90s uh, in a field where they're not so easily doing a work visa. So I remember to me, that was my first setback of feeling like, do I belong here or not? And then once I overcame that barrier, I find myself to be very fortunate, surrounded by mentors and teachers who made me feel very comfortable in St. Louis and a place where being a vegetarian was like you're an alien. <laughs> so, oh, so, you know, being becoming a part of that community took me a while, but I totally enjoy that relationship as of today. And then once I started working, there are teachers and there are other therapists from whom I learned a lot. But there were also those naysayers, the block-minded, those who are not ready to open to new ideas, right? Those who are not ready to collaborate easily. Those who still think that when you're coming in with a new idea, you're asking them to do more than what they're already doing. So those were some, if I would put them in the category of naysayers. However, what I realized that if you stick to what you have planned, talk the talk and walk the walk, you, they believe in you. They may be naysayers in the beginning, but they do come around. And I think that is the job of good leader is to be able to do that, right? To come together, to really help the team see the why, the purpose of being together and why you're there or why you're making the change. So have you had any instances, you know, where you had to face perceptions that are very typical about women and how did you overcome those perceptions? Several, you know, you're good as teachers is a very common one uh, because, uh, you know, as women, you're a caretaker. So a lot of people would see you as a teacher. But now that I move into the role of a leader or an administrator, I feel like that is not very common. So again, I want to encourage people who are starting off to think about it much earlier in their life. I never thought when I started my journey as a speech language pathologist that someday I would go through an administrative credential and be here where I am. So I'm very humbled by all those who have mentored me, people who have shown me the way to take this challenge. So I feel like that is a big one. Women do not take a lot of leadership role in education and women of color especially. So I would highly, highly encourage everybody to explore these options. The other thing is language and dialect. You know, just looking at me, you know that there is going to be some impact of how I speak. But looking beyond that, you know, interacting with everybody with some level of feeling confident, as well as being able to uh, get out there and present, I think those were initial challenges for me. But as I do more of it, I feel like I'm better at it. And that's my takeaway to all my listeners today is don't let hesitations hold you back. You know, the world is changing. It's more accepting. So go out there 
and follow your dream. So in all of this, right, throughout your life, were there certain values that you really held close? Absolutely. You know, the value of community service, right? The seva that I mentioned, my my grandparents, my parents, they all do that, were perfect role models. So that is serving back and giving back to the community is where you will find yourself, uh, you know, very well said by Gandhi. So I think I've seen that in really good role models. So that is one for sure. The other value or maybe a thought that helps me always has been updating and really learning new skills. And I would say that throughout my life, you know, whether as a speech therapist or learning new languages, it was sharpening those skills. You know, uh, you you change depending on the kind of work you do. I saw a significant increase in children with autism spectrum when I was working and I took more training in that. I, I became an AAC specialist where I work with devices and learned how to use assistive technology in supporting communication challenges for um, children and adults. So these are things that came along not planned, but because that was the need when I work with families and children. So I think updating your skills wherever you are in whatever phase of life or profession is very critical to your growth as a professional. And thirdly, I would say just networking, collaborating with like-minded people and don't restrict it just to your field. I would say, if you love to dance, go ahead, dance and join a dance group. You'll never know how that will help you in life to come together and, and use it in a different way. So how paths intersect is something I think leave it to destiny, but give it your shot and and do things that you're passionate about and you try new things you know it's it's hard as you get older we all know but i think um taking new challenges i feel like is something that keeps you fresh it keeps you upbeat and uh more opens more doors in in life speaking of dancing so you're a dancer you're a trained dancer i was yeah i have uh, i've been a trained kathak dancer when i was a young kid of course we lived in kuwait you know so there were not like those formal dance performances you can give to say you graduated or, you know I've never left dancing so <laughs> even now and then whenever I get an opportunity I would love to join and here there's a Bay Area Creative Dance Academy that that's a very nice group I found near my neighborhood and they're very wonderful dancers but I'm just amateur and compared to some of them but yes whenever I get a chance i love to do that because it's beautiful to have a passion that's so creative and it's such an outlet especially as you said pandemic so many people we kind of took a pause and said you know what's really important in life to have something like that to fall back on that's amazing um so speaking of women let's come back to women any specific mistakes that you see when you deal with women that you think women should not be making any more in this day, age and time that would really help them move their agenda forward. That is such a good point. I think uh, women, we were together in this last 
that it, it brings back to me the memory of the last event we were together, Divya, um, for Indians for Collective Action. And that is a new group that I'm associating myself with. And the theme for that evening was Let Her Soar. And I think that is so critical in today's time for women. How can the community break those barriers down and bring those barriers down so every woman can go to her potential and, and be who she wants to be, whether it's an artist, a scientist, or a health worker, any profession that they want. But it is still a struggle in many parts of our world, right? And, and that's what we discussed a lot by the honorees that day. And there is this beautiful poem by Famida Riaz, who talks about one of my favorite poets, Fez. And she says, uh, Fez kehte. And there are a few lines from this, uh, which I think are so apt, talking about what women can do. Kuch log tumhe samjhayenge, wo tumko khauf diklayenge. Is raah mein rehza hai itne, rehza yani robbers. Is raah mein rehza hai itne, jo hai wo bhi kho sakta hai. Is raah mein rehza hai itne, jo hai wo bhi kho sakta hai. Kuch aur yaha ho sakta hai, arre kuch aur to aksar hota hai. Kuch aur yaha ho sakta hai, arre kuch aur to aksar hota hai. Par तुम जिस लम्हे में जिंदा हो ये लम्हा तुमसे जिंदा है पर तुम जिस लम्हे में जिंदा हो ये लम्हा तुमसे जिंदा है ये वक्त न फिर आएगा तुम अपनी करनी कर गुजरो जो होगा देखा जाएगा सो आई थॉट दैट वाज सो ब्यूटीफुल सेइंग तुम अपनी करनी कर गुजरो जो होगा देखा जाएगा and it's really about take your chances you are here once in this lifetime take your chances do what your heart desires and with that thank you so much for your time thank you so much namita really appreciate it beautiful lines and what a grand ending so thank you so much